You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Jake Corley. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Oil & Gas This Week podcast. You're listening to episode 199. Yeah, and on top of all the other bad news that we're going to talk about today, for our listeners, we have some other bad news in that Jake is, his last episode is going to be episode 200, so the one right after this. He's not mad at me. He's going on to bigger, (laughs) better things, Um, but we're going to miss the bejeebies out of you, Jake. Yeah, it's been a crazy ride. You know, thinking about it now, it's been, at the end of this year, it'll be, would have have been four years, so we're at a little over three years of podcasting since the end of 2016, you and I. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, there's definitely, there's no bad blood, nothing like that. You know, as most people know, I'm, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I've, I've done a lot of stuff in this space and just kind of focusing all of my energy onto the the one thing that I'm kind of all in on right now. So you guys Which, go ahead. It's Digital Wildcatter. So yeah, people, yeah. When, y'all, when y'all miss Jake, go ahead over. It's digitalwildcatters.com, Jake. Yep. Yep. So you can go check us out there. We'll still be doing the Willing Gas Artist podcast and a variety of other things, shows and YouTube, video content, stuff like that. So if you guys still want to connect with me and follow me, I'm not dying. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to be out there. So feel free to come. Just going to bigger, bigger, better stuff. And honestly, some really funny stuff. You, you and Colin, <laughs> y'all make me laugh sometimes so, so much I choke. Um, but yeah, and in a time like this, this, is a good time to be able to laugh at something. I feel like the entire oil field has seen the D-Day video now because it has been everybody that we've talked to said that they had it sent to them like four or five times. Yeah. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go find it. Actually, we'll put a link in the show notes to it so you can just <laughs> click on it and go. Um, another thing before we get to the reviews is we just relaunched our HSNE podcast. It's actually Ooh. the next next episode should come out next week. And Jake, we're giving away Apple Watches on that show. How cool is that? That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, wait. Once you leave, you can now register and win. See, oh. today you can't. But once you leave, you can register and win. So maybe you'll win an Apple Watch on the HSNE show. <laughs> Do we have any good reviews? Uh, we got always have good reviews, except the times when we don't have any reviews. We got two of them. This is Joey, 912-394-8294. Good number, Joey. I'm an account manager up in the greater Pittsburgh area. I want to do my part and leave a review for this great podcast. Mark and Jake, you guys do awesome. Always very informative, but at the same time, it's fun. I use a lot of the content from the show while speaking with customers. Great job. I can't wait to meet you guys in February. Unfortunately, Joey, by now you've realized we had to cancel our live events, our Pittsburgh event. As soon as it's possible and safe, we're going to pick those back up and hopefully we'll meet you, you know, June, July-ish sometime, Joey. But thanks for the review. And then this is Jody, safety guy from the United States of America. Hi, guys. Love hearing the industry's up-to-date information. I am currently working in the Permian and love the content on the long drives. Every day working my way between five rigs. Keep up the great work. Also, say hi to Paige, the host of All Guest Industry Leaders. We go way back. Jody, he's a safety guy. So, Jody, go listen to our HSNE podcast that's relaunching next week and win one of those Apple Watches, and we'll make sure we let Paige know you said hello. Other news stories. Let's get it done. So, I'm sure most of you are quarantined at home and have been for weeks on end. It's been a hell of a few weeks. I'm adapting to learning to work at home, as I'm sure everyone else is. So, I'm sure you guys have been paying very close attention to oil prices. Oil has plunged after the IEA says demand is in free fall. 
So oil resumed its decline after the head of the International Energy Agency warned global demand was in a free fall as coronavirus lockdowns wreaked habit on consumption while major producers pump more. Futures on, I think it was four or five days ago, tumbled 7.7% in New York as the IEA came out with their latest projections. And then Mike Kelly, president of OTC Futures, said oil is going to continue to be stuck in this rut given the simultaneous supply and demand shocks. Stimulus doesn't really help any of these issues just because people have more money in their pockets doesn't mean they're getting in their cars. And so last time I checked, I think demand, if it's not already down 20%, it's projected to be down 20%. So down 20 million barrels per day from the normal 100 million barrels per day. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting. I'm having a really, really hard time getting my head around all this. I've crunched the numbers on the virus. I got my head around that. And I've crunched the numbers both on the economy and also on the price of oil. And for the first time in my lifetime, we have two things going on, which makes it hard to figure out what the futures could bring. So the first is we have this glut on the market, right? Well, that's we've had that happen numerous times. That's a pretty easy thing to forecast mathematically, which, by the way, big shout out to Microsoft. I stumbled across their Power BI tool, and it's so much easier to use than some of the other tools I was using. But the thing that's never happened before, usually when you have a glut on the market and the price of crude and gas goes down, downstream explodes because now that's their raw feedstock. And so their raw feedstock's been cut. And so that part of the oil and gas industry explodes in profitability. What's happening now is there's a, a demand for refined products, including things like plastics and adhesives, is also going down. At the same time, the price of crude and gas is going down. So downstream, which new, normally would be booming right now or would be booming soon, is hurting just as well because the demand for their products went down because of the global lockdown from the coronavirus. And it's really hard. I'm, I'm doing a bunch of big data analytics stuff, and I'm going to come out in the next week or two, probably next week with some predictions about where I think this thing's going to go. But I've never seen this in my entire life. And it's really hard to figure out where it's going. And it's it's not good, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, it's completely nuts. You've got experts in the area who are just completely throwing their hands up in the air saying, like, listen, nobody really knows where things are going to go. You know, everybody always has a predictions, especially during downturns. But this is completely different. This is uncharted waters. We've never been here before. It's hard to say what oil is going to be a week from now, let alone, like, how are you supposed to say what's going to be six months from now? Nobody knows. Right. It's completely speculative. So word on the street is that Russia is actually wanting to come back to the table, though, and wanted a new deal, which is going to be good news. So we're kind of getting conflicting reports over whether they want to play ball or not. So we'll see what happens. But the I don't know if you saw this, Mark, but the Energy Department withdrew their tender to fill the Strategic Petroleum yep. Reserve. I didn't get to dive into this too deep. Do you know all the details? I don't know all the details. I know the big details. They don't have the money. They had the money, but then they used that money on the stimulus bill. So now the House is going to have to vote again. So this first stimulus bill, and that's the one that's getting a lot of press because everybody's going to get 1200 bucks plus like five fifty per child or something like that if you make $75,000 or below last year. That's getting a lot of press, but that's the first one. Jake, they're working on the fourth one. So the second and third one's already been done. They're now working on the fourth one to come after this first one. You can pump money into the economy and it makes it actually makes a substantial difference, but not for a long period of time. And so what happened is they don't have the money to fill up the strategic petroleum reserves, which is really interesting. 
Because one of the things that's going on now, and this happens every single time the price of crude gets cheap, is people buy it at a discount. You know, right now it's less than I think twenty three dollars a barrel, and then they store it somewhere and they wait for it to get up to thirty dollars a barrel, thirty thirty two dollars a barrel, and they sell it and they make a nice profit. The problem is everybody's doing that right now, so storage is starting to get full, which means the cost of storage goes up. Like anything else, it's supply and demand. If there's a short supply of storage, the cost goes up, which is then going to hurt the margins that the people are anticipating to make when they put the crude back on the market. But right now, if the U.S. government could find the money and they're working on it or could get the money approved to fill up the strategic petroleum reserve, it would be a really good deal. It would help mitigate some of these low crude prices, at least here in the U.S. At the same time, it, we're buying oil for pennies on the dollar to go in our strategic reserve. So let's hope that the Congress can keep agreeing on stuff more or less. But speaking of that, did you see some of the stuff that got snuck into the the stimulus bill. It's always politics. Never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Oh, God. I mean, it makes me want to cry. I'm not going to get into it here, but there's stuff that got put in that bill so that people would come to agreement that has no bearing on helping Americans or, or any people around the world. It was just, you know, personal gain for those politicians, which that should be illegal. When all this is over, I hope our country stands up and votes properly to fix all that stuff. Things like term limits, you know. But anyway, yeah, that's what happened to the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. They wanted to do it. It was a great idea. They use the money to put cash in people's pockets. So with oil prices hovering in the mid-20s, it's been, I don't know, what, two, three weeks now? Maybe it's two weeks. I don't know. I completely don't know what day it is anymore, <laughs> uh, having been at home for so long. But with more than two dozen of the largest U.S. shell producers already having announced 20 to 30% cuts, some even more than that from their capital budgets, you know, Apache, QEP, there's a long list, Pioneer, Parsley. A lot of these companies are laying down every single one of the rigs. A lot of them are at least laying down half. It seems that more and more as time goes on, more and more press releases are saying that they're absolutely going to stop all drilling moving forward. So the next article is diving into what does that really mean for the fracturing market? And so OFS companies never really recovered from the last downturn. Think about that. And now they're getting hit again. We've already seen a lot of producers go to a lot of the service companies and say, listen, our contracts are off. We're not doing any more work. Or if we're still going to do work, we're going to ask for a 25% discount on the work that we've already done. I mean, how do these guys expect to stay alive? I don't get it. They can't. So they, some of them, well, actually a lot of them are taking that 20% hit. This is, not, this is not the first time it's happened. Just to keep their people working, knowing that at the very best, they'll break even and most probably they're going to lose some money. But that's not a long-term strategy. That's a you know, I'm gasping for my last breath of air type of strategy just to try to keep your crews working. So it's it's gonna get bad. It's gonna get bad. It's getting bad now. It's gonna get bad. It's gonna get worse as we move forward in time. The big question is when is it gonna come back? And to your point, Jake, nobody knows. I'm working on it. But even yeah. when I come out with a number, it's gonna be a guess based upon the data I'm able to put my hands on right now. Yeah, I wish I had something positive to say about, you know, kind of this talking point, but honestly there's not much to to really come up with here. And, and it's I, not just the fracking market, Jake. So I used a, an AI tool to scrape the web to look at public companies and their statements to the press. And I bet I found 60 companies that all touch oil and gas that are not oil and gas companies. So think companies like Microsoft, right? That publicly stated that the quarterly predictions for revenue for the second quarter of 2020, they go downgrade because of what's going on. And so that's a that ripple effect that's going to hurt not just uh, that's hurting the, the upstream part of the oil and gas industry, but pretty soon it's going to start hurting the pipeline, the midstream part, and, down, and it's already starting to hurt downstream. And now it's going to have a triple effect through all the other companies that touch oil and gas that are not oil and gas companies themselves. And once again, the big question is how much and for how long? And, and, and we don't know yet. 
I'm all about, I mean, I'm sure you've seen all the latest updates from you know, every expert on the coronavirus uh, and how this is really, you know, having a huge impact on the world. How long can we really stay quarantined? How long can the, the economy really sustain this? Yeah, I got my head around that part of it. So at least here in the U.S., this is what I think is going to happen. I'm going to have a video coming out later to go into detail. But we're almost at the peak of the bell curve. And the biggest thing is we need the testing, the five-minute testing. And we need enough of that dispersed through the country that it's easy for everybody to get tested. That should happen in the next two weeks. When that happens, we now can test people and the people that are not exposed, that don't have the antigens, can go back to work. So now you're letting the rest of the country go back to work who don't have the virus and only quarantine the ones that you do. That should be about three weeks now, four weeks now. That's when that should happen. Well, at that time, we should have the hospital beds freed up, the respirators, the drugs that help actually people once they've been exposed to the virus, and we're working on a vaccine. So I think the whole COV-19 thing, we're going to be okay with it. We're predicting that June 1st, it'll go back to business as normal, and around mid-April is when we'll hit the peak of the virus here in the U.S. Now, we always have these pockets of this virus all over the world, but we think that we'll, that our, our experts are the, the world's experts. They've already tested two vaccines, both promising. Now they're going to clinical trials. It's going to take them about a year. But what we're hoping is by the beginning of flu season for 2021, we'll have a COV-19 vaccine and this thing's just gone. That's what we think is going to happen now. But to your point, we have to do something from an economic point of view. The, the entire U.S., the entire world can't stay shut down because we're, we're in a recession now. It's a small recession. It's a man-made recession because we shut down. What we can't have it turn into is when you have that domino effect of where people freak out, they quit spending money, it makes the recession works, and then eventually it becomes so big that no matter how hard the U.S. government pulls to keep it from dropping down the hole, we drop into that hole of recession. That's actually my biggest fear is that's going to happen. We're seeing some positive signs, but not enough yet for me to tell you which way it's going to go one way or the other. So everybody just keep their fingers crossed. The virus thing will get through relatively quickly. We think by June 1st, we'll be back to business and normal. And I sure hope so. I mean, I, I've never known more unemployed people in my life. Um, just, you know, people after people are just being laid off and furloughed and, and just not able to go to work. And so, you know, it's, it's cool, misery. Scary. It's horrible and scary because not only do you get laid off, you can't go look for work. You're supposed to be quarantined. You have to pay your house note and your car note and, you know, electric bill and feed your family. It is, it is, I hope I never experience this again. This is a once in, in mankind, you know, perfect storm, perfect black swan type of event that I hope we never go through again. So let's just continue on the theme of misery. So <laughs> the, uh, the Dallas Fed did their latest survey, which included responses from 161 energy firms, which took place from March 11th to March 19th. This is a quarterly survey and it offers a window into not just the economic health of the industry, but also the psyche of many oil executives in Texas. So I just want to kind of go through the list and give you some insight into where everyone's head's at. So more than half of the oil executives said their headcount could drop this year with nearly a quarter saying payroll would decrease significantly. I've already seen that firsthand from friends. And so I'm just going to go through and read a few quotes. My outlook on domestic oil and gas has never been bleaker. Another one say, this will weed out the Ponzi guys in the shale plays. There's a lot of capital destruction occurring. The service industry for fracking will implode. Another one said, banks are squeezing the EMP sector, including our company, and the and demanding we quit drilling to pay down our debt, even though we are in compliance with terms of our credit agreement. We will likely shut down drilling next month, pay an early termination penalty to our rig contractor, and liquidate excess hedges to pay down debt. We are in survival mode now. Nice one said, we're planning for a soft 2020. Soft would be great now. We are now expected an almost 
total stop in business in the coming weeks and months. Next one said, I'm scared. In my opinion, the Texas Railroad Commission should institute pro-ration as we had in the 1950s and early 1960s. And that is something that's on the table currently. That's something that's being talked about. Next one said, it's looking to be a bloodbath for most firms. Yep, I would agree. Next one said, I'm shutting in everything I can and cutting general administrative expenses to minimal levels to try to ride out the storm. Those who are in debt will not survive. And I'll read this last one here. I do not believe the energy industry except with respect to the largest producers, has the capital liquidity and reserve to survive a price collapse of the depth and time extent that will be experienced. That's nuts. Yep, it's nuts. I will say one thing, and I've had quite a few people reach out to me and talk to me about how this is Russia and Saudi Arabia trying to put the U.S. frackers out of business. That's not what happened in 2014. That's not what's going on here. You have to remember, you can bankrupt a company, but you can't bankrupt rock. The hydrocarbons are there. And if prices go back up, even if you know a lot of the operators get destroyed, somebody, once it makes fiscal sense, will get some capital and go do it again. So this is something, but just a, a war between Russia and Saudi Arabia that we're playing casualties right now. It is interesting, though, Jake, that Ryan Sitton, the former railroad commissioner, is going to the OPEC meet in June where they all are going to try to agree upon production numbers. For the first time ever, the state of Texas is equal to Russia and OPEC in those discussions. That that makes me feel good. I actually know Ryan is a good guy. And if anybody can help broker a deal that benefits the world, it's him. So the next article is actually outdated by now. Maybe it's still true. So this one I put in here says, Russia's, Russia says oil is not on the agenda for the G20 call, which is going to I think in the end of April, early May sometime. But now, like I said, it seems like Russia wants to come back to the table and discuss a new deal regarding production cuts. So that's kind of good news for everybody. So stay on the edge of your seat and let's see what happens with that. And the next one, next article is Chevron hits the brakes on Permian, cutting $8 billion in CapEx across the company. That's a yeah, lot of and, and the reason that's such a big deal, two of the companies that have the capital and expertise and reach to keep the shell market alive in the US is Chevron and Exxon. And, you know, Chevron's cutting eight billion dollars, which of course they are. I mean, you know, you would expect them to do this. It is gonna be interesting. You know, they don't have any debt. They have a lot of cash. This cutting eight billion dollars could actually increase their cash because they they were expecting to spend that money this year. So I would not be surprised if we see both Chevron and Exxon made multiple major acquisitions in the next 12 months. Keep an eye on this. But just the fact that they're cutting CapEx money just tells you how bad it really is. And last article of the day, I'm sure a lot of people have paid attention to this. Oxy is adding to cuts. They're cutting executive compensation. They're cutting their head count down. And I'm sure, you know, as we've talked about, Carl Icahn has been in a little bit of, he was threatening a proxy war with Oxy. He had purchased, he purchased a good bit of Oxy. I can't remember exactly what the, what the number was. Quite a while back, he sold off 80% of that. Their market cap is completely just tanked. I think it's like one-fifth of what it used to be before they acquired Anadarko. And now he essentially got it for a fraction of the cost. And so I think he's up to 9.9%. So he owns quite a bit of Oxy. And so Stephen Chazen was the former CEO of Oxy. So now he is actually executive chairman of the board now. And then... Carl Icahn was actually able to put in three independent directors of his own, Andrew Langham, Nicholas Graziano, and Margarita Palau Hernandez. I have no clue who they are, but <laughs> it seems they've, they've reached some kind of resolution with Icahn. And that was also because I think they, they also kind of forced his hand a little bit 
hopefully he's happy with his deal here. But they did have that poison pill to where if somebody was acquiring more than I think 15% of the company, it automatically started diluting shareholders rapidly. And yeah, I don't know all the details of that, to be honest with you. But this is a turn into a soap opera. You know how soap operas, oh, yeah. if you ever watch one, they, the soap operas have more stuff happen in 30 minutes than it happens in your entire lifetime. This is what's going on with Oxydarko. I mean, this is just one story after another after another. It's going to be interesting to see if Icon's now going to work with the board to try to stabilize the bleeding ship of Oxydarko. Or if this is just another step in him gaining control so he can do what he wants. I, I don't know. He doesn't call me and ask for my opinion. But this is this is just like an unfolding soap opera of intrigue and espionage and you know, somebody's dead relative really wasn't dead. They were in a coma and they came back and you know, all within a half hour. So we're definitely gonna keep an eye on this one because this is an, has been an interesting story from day one. It just gets better and better. All right, guys, that wraps up the stories for this week. Mark, we're still doing the giveaway, right? Well, of course, we're still doing a giveaway. This thing's become crazy. It's, I actually had somebody reach out to me just two or three days ago, and it touched my heart. They go, Mark, it's unfortunate. I just got laid off, but the same day I got laid off, my shirt arrived in the mail, so it was a good day. And it's like, damn. I mean, just... You don't like to hear that sort of stuff. So we're glad they want a shirt. And by the way, if you win the shirt, it has no reflection on you, the possibility of you being laid off or not. It is a cool shirt. We give away one a week, have a unique serial numbers. Actually, on Jake's last show, the two of the show, we're going to give away something cool based on those serial numbers because we've never done it since Jake's been here. So our next show, which will also be a first Friday Q&A, I believe. So if you all have any questions for Jake... Before he goes on to other stuff, go to onlygassweep.com, ask a question, and go ahead and type in your questions. And since this is his last one, if you want to kind of get away from the tactical stuff and ask him stuff, you know, bigger picture stuff about his future, what they're doing, how people can, you know, still make money in this down market, any stuff like that, just go ahead and reach out. Let's, uh, let's see if we get some questions for Jake. And then, like I said, Jake and I are give us something away really cool based upon this shirt. Go to the show notes, click the link we give away one a week. And the most important thing is that unique serial number is on the front of the shirt. If you have that number, if you have that shirt, make sure you write down that number somewhere. And Jake, let's just skip the weekly rig count. <laughs> you know, it's not pretty. And then you've heard us talk about our street team. That's our all volunteer group. Go to Facebook, just search for On Gas Global Network, OGG and Street Team. Join, give away cool stuff. We ask you to help us with social media. You know what, Jake? I didn't realize this till today. So the next, this is where I talk about the monthly email newsletter we sent out for free. There's nothing for me to put in it this month. Like every oil and gas event is shut down. So for the Absolutely, first time yeah. in 10 years, this, this email newsletter has been going out for 10 years. For the first time, there's nothing for me to put in it. So if you're on that list, you're going to get something. I'm just not sure what it's going to be. And then this is also the point where I talk about if you want Jake and I to come speak, Jake, Every single one of our speaking gigs that were scheduled, some of them are always paid for, for this year have been canceled. Yep. So we can't come speak while we're all locked down. Now, if y'all have something going on, say, the third or fourth quarter of this year, go ahead and reach out to us, and we'll talk to you about it, and we'll just get some type of agreement in place. And if we're in a good place when we get closer, we'll do it. And if not, we'll just do whatever. But you heard me talk about the first Friday Q&A. This will be Jake's last first Friday Q&A. So go ahead and ask your questions. And actually, I usually tell you, try not to stump him. Why don't you try to stump him? It'd be kind of funny. <laughs> we need some humor <laughs> on this show. And then while you're out there, go ahead and go to the website. Give us your email address. We use that to let people know about the cool stuff we're doing. And by the way, people, we had our 200th episode. I'm just going to go ahead and tell everybody what was set up. 
We had our two episodes set up to do live from Technique FMC, their Grimp campus. It was going to be invitation only. We we're going to invite the people that had won the shirt. We we're going to invite the people that had given us their email address. And then if we had any extra seats, we we're going to open that up to the public. But once again, all that's been canceled. So even our 200th episode, which was going to be a big celebration, is Jake and I are going to end up doing it virtually which is just where we are in the universe. It's neither here or there. It's, it's where we are. So, you know, keep chin up, everybody. Things will get better. The big thing is when, and I'm working on trying to figure out when that's going to happen. But Jake, for the almost last time, you ready to get out of here? Let's do it. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck for the next month. We have some exciting things coming up to happy hours, one in Pittsburgh and one in Denver. So the first one will be happening on March 22nd at Bubba's Gourmet Burgers and Beer. This event will be from four to seven and will feature a live recording of Oil and Gas This Week with Jake Corley and Mark LaCour. So be sure to check that out. You can sign up via our social medias. We have an Eventbrite sign up and should be good to go from there. The next event will be a happy hour in Denver at Liberty Oilfield Services on April 2nd. Once again, check our social medias for the Eventbrite sign up and sign up there. As some of our social media followers may know, we are headed to Aberdeen, Scotland the first week of March, in a couple days actually, for DokuruCon, creating high impact sales and energy. Dokuru is excited to launch its very first sales development conference, and OGGN's Mark and Patrick will be hosting a panel and recording a live podcast, so we're really excited to be joining that. The Leaders in Industry Luncheon is on March 11th at the Petroleum Club of Houston. Port of the Future is happening on March 10th and 11th in Houston. Your registration to the Port of the Future conference also allows you access to exclusive events, including TSA Security and Terrorism, Research Showcase, and many more. So be sure to view the agenda and see what they are offering. The Houston Energy Breakfast will be on March 20th at the Norris Conference Center in Houston. The API Energy Houston 3-Gun Chapter will be on March 20th. This event is filling up very quickly, so make sure to get a team in as soon as possible. The BP Energy Outlook 2020 edition will be on April 21st. It's happening online. And this event is about transitions that will take place to a low carbon energy system. That's all for this month, everybody. Hope you guys have a good month and check back in next month to see what events we're having. Thanks. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a product of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasthisweek.com.